1: Welcome back, Grizz Nation. And I don't even know what to call this episode because it's not just a core four podcast, not just a 3&D podcast. It is a crossover because usually in our schedule between Monday and Wednesday, we have new 3&D and and new core four. But with the play-in, I I didn't want just two podcasts that talks about play-in preview and you just get a whole lot of overlap or redundancy. And that's not what you fans deserve. So we got a 3&D and, and Core 4 crossover starring myself, Parker Fleming, the host of the Core 4 podcast. And Before I introduce the 3&D host, make sure you are tapping into the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, wherever you find the podcast. Make sure you're following each of those podcasts on Twitter, at GBBLive, at the Core 4 Podcast at 3 pod and at Starting5MEN. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at Grizzlies. So first, let me introduce the former producer of the Eric Hasselton Show on 92.9 ESPN and a GBB senior staff writer, Ben, not the golfer, Hogan. Ben, how's it going, man?
0: It's going all right, Parker. I appreciate you having me on here, man. I'm excited about it.
1: No, I, I think this is our first podcast together, so I, yeah. I'm podcasting with the living legend, a 929 legend.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess uh, they use that term loosely now with the legend, so I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> no,
1: yeah, no. He, here's how it is: if uh, for when it comes to Eric Hasselton producers, if um, if Connor Dunning is Twitter, then you're MySpace. So, <laughs> uh, man, sorry, because I'm
0: old, I'm make yeah, the, the you, cram cram you're
1: old. But let me introduce <laughs> the other host of the 3D pod, none other than Mr. Timber Fake himself, Justin Lewis. Justin, how are you, sir?
2: I'm good. You should know that, um, about 15 minutes ago, my wife said, Is Parker your boss? I was like, Yeah, yeah, he is.
1: Sense. <laughs> I don't like acting like the boss sometimes. I mean. But in a sense, yeah. But uh, Justin, are we good to release the good news on the podcast feeds? Uh, we're gonna hold off a week. A week? We're gonna hold off a week. Okay, so we're holding off a week. So make sure you tune into Justin's Twitter account in about a week for some excellent news that he has. But while we're here, the Grizzlies will be playing the San Antonio Spurs in the nine and ten seed playing game for the Western Conference. At six thirty p.m. Central Time, in Memphis, on ESPN, and the Grizzlies had just announced that they'll increase their capacity to forty percent, which that that's huge. That's probably going up from three thousand to about six, to eight thousand. So I, I'm hyped for it. I'm I'm gonna be there covering for GBB on Wednesday night. But let me get these two fellows' opinions on that, Justin. How are you feeling like do you do you really think like with you know it's 40% do you think that there can kind of be that makeup
2: to still kind of generate that playoff atmosphere a little bit um yeah i would say so yeah i think the grizzlies fans will be loud enough that they'll be able to generate it um i wouldn't be shocked they're still not pumping in some generated noise to help that um but they've they've gotten used to having to generate their own energy this season just just by the nature of of what they've gone through all year, playing in some empty stadiums. So I I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference for them, at least not against uh, the Spurs. All right, Ben, what about you?
0: I think it'll make a difference. I don't think it necessarily like the home court advantage. I don't think it's going to necessarily take San Antonio out of the game. But I do think having the extra crowd in there will get the Grizzlies a little more hype Mm -hmm. than they have been for other games. You know, it's it's playoff atmosphere – uh, some of these guys, it's the first time that they've seen the playoff. I think fans are going to be pretty rowdy, too, because it's for some it's going to be their first time in. It's going to be the biggest crowd in more than a year there. So I think it's its its going to be a playoff atmosphere. Yeah, it's not going to be as loud as a, you know, gr- grind 18,000 fans. But still, I think it's going to make a big enough difference where, I mean, the, the players are definitely going to notice it.
1: Mm-hmm. No, yeah, for sure. And I, I've been to a lot of games this year. Uh, covering, I've been in there when it was uh straight up empty. I've been in there when there's been fans there, and here recently that like it's gotten pretty loud. And like Justin said, they do kind of still infuse a little bit of the the pumped in noise. I don't think they'll do it as much, I think they'll just kind of see the flow of the game. But I'm excited for it. But let's just really dive into this. And I want to just start here with just the, the big kind of overarching a uh, question that is really pertaining to the NBA as a whole, is, and that's just, like, thoughts on the play-in. Uh, I'll start with you, Ben. Ben, this is the first full season that they've integrated the play-in, not just one of those bubble gimmicks, but, like, full-time, full deal. What What are your thoughts on it, year one?
0: Um, With the Grizzlies uh, benefiting from it, I like it. But overall, yeah. I, for me, it's like, you know, two out of three teams, you know, th- 20, 66% of the teams – basically technically make the playoffs, and I think that's too much. I like the idea of it. I think it's cool and everything, but at the end of the day, it does take a little bit away from the regular season because it's – you know, I saw Chris Harrington tweet this out yesterday. Like, the game last – yesterday between the Grizzlies and Warriors, it wasn't as important as it could have been because that could have been deciding the eighth spot, the last spot in the playoffs, and instead it's like, those two teams could play again Friday. And then that will kind of determine – that could determine – well, that will determine if they play the final spot in the playoffs. I'm old school. I'm old. So I'm kind of – I don't really like it that much.
1: Right. No, I, I feel that. And, you know, it was actually a really crazy situation because not only did they have that in the Western Conference, but Charlotte and Washington were tied for eight in the East as well. So in a normal year, you would have had two teams battling it out for the eight seed in a winner go home game in the final day of the regular season. You know, that's exciting basketball. I mean, we saw that a few years ago with uh, Denver and Minnesota, I believe, and it was one of the more underrated games of the season. But uh, before I give my opinion on this, I want to get Justin in on this. Justin, what do you think of it?
2: Yeah, I, I like it for, for three reasons. Um, and, and the first one is because I'm not like Ben, where I'm just so old I'm stuck in my old ways and I have to have it the way that it's always been.
0: <laughs> hey, you're the everybody gets a trophy, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: no, um, one of the reasons I like it is because it gives teams um, that have dealt with injury uh, a chance at the end when if they got their guys back. Um, like the Grizzlies getting Jaron back, um, like uh, the the Wizards getting to figure out things with Bill and Westbrook, gives them those new teams time to to figure things out. I think it's it's good for that reason because you know sometimes you can't control what happens in the middle of the season, and then um, it just keeps them in longer. And carrying with that, the other reason is because it's it's kind of a a little bit of an anti-tanking deal um, as far as. Um, it keeps more teams engaged longer in the season. Um, and we had Sacramento and New Orleans were still a chance just a week out from this, the season being over. Chicago and the Eastern Conference still had a chance um, as well. So I think if, you're, if your goal is to have a better product throughout the entire season, um, this helps with that. Um, I, do, I don't hate what Ben said. Um, having more than half the league qualify for the playoffs does feel a little bit – like overkill um but i think the way you can fix that is also just going to straight 1 through 16 seeds and eliminate conferences in the playoffs but that's a different conversation
1: right no that that last point that you had hit on Justin, is the biggest reason why i'm for the play in and it's just i don't like watching I'm, I'm not invested as invested in the season when you know you have teams rolling out Lineups like we saw the other night in the Kings and Grizzlies game, where it was—I I never want to say G League. I'm never going to call it G League because, you know, I've I watched the bubble. G League guys are good, and I, I'm going to call it junior varsity instead, because like for the Kings they still had Buddy Healed out there for the Grizzlies they still had Tyus Jones, Desmond Bain, and Anthony Melton out there. It, like I don't want to watch JV games after the All Star break because I remember a couple seasons ago when the Grizzlies had their ravage injury, ravage season, they shut Mark this all down basically in March. And we saw that remember that year it was after the trade deadline, when they got in balance units, y'all notice there's a little bit of extra juice that that team had, but because they were out of the playoff picture, they kind of sat Mike Conley preserved his trade value. And we really didn't get to see a lot of Mike Conley and balance units. And for that matter, when Jaron had that injury, they shut him down after the all-star break too. So with that play-in, do teams try a little harder to put their best five out there as long as they can? Granted, you get to a point where it's like a week or two left in the season and they're like, okay, let's make sure nobody gets hurt. Let's see what we got out of these young guys and just get to the end of the season. You have that sometimes, but I'm just in the boat where I don't like tanking that much because ultimately, at the end of the day, you're not putting the best product out there. You're creating a losing culture. So, the more teams that are invested into trying to win basketball games, the better, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I can see that argument from both you guys on that. Like, I, I agree. I don't like tanking either. It's just, I guess, as, as y'all put it, I'm old and I'm setting my ways. And oh, that's, I that's what it is. <laughs>
1: No, because like you also like you add the point too, like what Harrington said, like you have regular season games that are do or die, and let's be real. And I think it was Luca that said this: if we're seven, why why did why did we play seventy two games when we can just have two bad games and we're out after proving it for seventy two games? So I see I see both sides, but I want to narrow this back into a grind city view here and i'm going to ask this question first to mr timber Timberfake. fake and i'm going to ask in this playing game like i think what ben said what you said a lot of guys with first time playoff experience in a, in a non-bubble situation we're going to say non-bubble situation because nobody had the clear advantage in the uh playing game last season so who do you think needs to step up the most for the Grizzlies in this playing game?
2: Uh, um, I think it's got to be Jaw, based on the, the way he performed in that Golden State game. Um, we you know what you're going to get out of Dylan defensively. He's going to take DeRozan. Um, he's he's given DeRozan problems this season. Thank God we're not facing Lamarcus Aldridge because he absolutely torches <laughs> us every single time. Um. Fallon Schunitz is going to give you the same thing every time out of him, like in his losses or in the losses and the wins, he averages almost identical stats across the board. Um, So he's, he's going to be consistent. Uh, Jaron, you know, he's still working his way back. So you're going to take what you get out of him. He's going to, you know, help you on defense. Kyle's, you're going to, you know about what you're going to get from Kyle, his three point shooting might be what the variable is for him, but it's jaw for me. Like, Is he going to come out aggressive to begin? Is he going to come out passive, filling the game out? Um, Is he going to have his shot? Is he going to be able to knock it down? Is he going to be able to hit freaking free throws um, when they matter? Um, I think the the team all season long has lived and died with, like, just they go as he goes. Um, Because Dylan's always going to bring the energy, but it seems like when Ja brings it, the team is at a different level. Uh, So I think we really, really need him to be – at the peak, uh, Wednesday night. No, I I agree. Yeah, and especially after that
1: seven for twenty one game against Golden say he called himself out on that. He said that's unacceptable. I need to play better. And you know, I'm I'm like middle ground when it comes to being hard on Ja. Like I understand he's a twenty one year old point guard getting used to NBA level attention defensively, but on the other hand, if you're gonna call yourself a top five point guard on tv now it's money time go back it up so i'm excited to see what big 12 does i mean remember that opening night game he had 44 points against his same spurs team so he's just got to bring he i I think he's going to bring that juice i mean we saw it in the portland game playing game last year and i'm just hoping we see it this year ben how about yourself what do you think here
0: Um, I'm going to. It's a group of guys. I think the bench needs to play well. I mean, D'Anthony Melton's been in a long shooting slump. Uh, Brandon Clark hasn't played that well lately. They're going to need to get, and uh, pretty much the whole bench disappeared on the offensive end against the Warriors, and they could have really used them. Uh, You know, especially when Dylan Brooks fouled out, D'Anthony Melton came in. He didn't really provide uh, much there. You know, the the Warriors just took advantage once Dylan Brooks fouled out, and it, it was over. And I just need to see more from the bench because that's been a strength and an advantage the Grizzlies have had pretty much all season. We've talked about how deep they are and how they have so many options on the bench. Well, if the bench disappears, that takes away all that and all bets are off. And then it's even more pressure on Josh's shoulders, and he, he can feel it. I mean, who will try and take over the game? I don't necessarily know if we need to have that, Ja have that in the, this playoff game. Whereas if we can get a team effort, especially from the bench, I think that allows him to play within himself. He can play comfortable. And uh, I think that's what the Grizzlies need more than anything.
1: Yeah, we're we're on the same wavelength there. My my answer was DeAnthony Melton just because I think he's been in a slump aside from that Toronto game a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I've been very adamant about – Anthony Melton and just how awesome he's been this season and the leap that he's taken as a playmaker, as a live dribble creator, and a, as an outside shooter. But and I also think too that I think he's the guy with the highest ceiling aside from Jar Jarron. But he he's struggled over the past few weeks. And I you know, I, I said it yesterday. I think scapegoating has been very lazy because it doesn't address the the whole thing. It's just people Picking somebody they don't really like as much and sticking to it. And whenever they're slumping, they are going hard on that person. And in the middle of that, when people are being hard on Brandon Clark and Justice Winslow and Coach Jenkins, Melton hasn't been that hot either. So,
2: um, I, you know, I, have, one, one could say that Melton's shooting is just a mirage. Oh God, don't get me started, <laughs> but nah, I, I
1: know real ones know what we're talking about there, but nah, I, I, I think Melton's fine. Nothing has changed my view of him in this slump, but I, I, I think that to Ben's point, the bench needs to step up and it really starts with D'Anthony Melton because when he's going off and when he's looking like what, what I sometimes compare him to is like a, a young holiday or a or a young Fred van fleet. That's when the Grizzlies are at their best. Like we need the D Melton that people are saying, why isn't D Anthony Melton playing more? And I, I think too, that if he, if he can get going, then Tyus gets going. And if Tyus gets going then Brandon Clark, gets going, I think it's just a giant snowball effect starting with the Anthony Melton. So yeah, same way the Flint there, in my opinion. Yeah, and so I know this is kind of it could be an obvious question, but we talked about on the Grizzlies side who needs to step up. I want to ask on San Antonio side what what are y'all the most worried about? Whether it's players or schemes or whatever. I'll start with you, Ben. Ben, what are you the most what are you most worried about on the Spurs side?
0: Well, I mean, it's it's DeRozan for one. I mean, if if he gets hot, he's going to be tough to stop. If Dylan gets in foul trouble. The is going to have somebody to throw at them. But also, it's maybe even taking them a little too lightly. They've kind of backed their way into the playoffs here. And it's easy to look past them because, you know, you, you may be thinking like, well, you know, in the next game, you got to take on either Steph Curry again or you're taking on LeBron James, and you may not even be focused. I mean, I know it's bad to say that it's going to be a playoff game, but these are young guys, you know, a lot of people – are kind of overlooking the Spurs. It's kind of like, well, Grizzlies are going to win this one. So who do you want them to play in the next game? Is it you want to play Steph Curry? You want to play LeBron? Yeah. Hopefully the Grizzlies don't have that mentality of, you know, this Spurs team's kind of backed in. I think they've won, they've lost ten of twelve, leading into the playoffs, and there's that possibility as well. So the Grizzlies can't take them too lightly, and I think they got to keep De- Demar Derozan in check.
1: No, I, I agree. I really think that people are taking San Antonio pretty lightly. They've had one of the more brutal end of the uh, season schedules. I think they were like second in strength in schedule at one point. And they're just like Memphis where they've had to play like 40 games and 71 nights. So just like how it's getting into Memphis, it's getting to San Antonio as well. And I, I don't want anybody to take them lightly because guess what? We did that in the bubble last year. A lot of us penciled in that Spurs matchup as a win. And DeRozan hooped, Pop made adjustments, and it they stole the game from Memphis for more reasons than not. Reasons that about broke me to pieces, and Justin definitely knows what I'm talking about. But uh, I'll get to Justin. Justin, what are you most
2: worried about on the Spurs side? Uh, well, the, the first thing I'm worried about is the fact that we're playing at home. Um, not, not still don't understand why we were better on the road, but that's, that's not the Spurs side. On the Spurs side, I'm worried about the fact that we're facing one of the greatest, if not the greatest coach of all time. Um, he's, he's going to have something ready. Um, if I, if, if I'm not mistaken, was it him that had Jaw being forced to his left in a game or was that Toronto? I, I think It might've been Toronto, but. The, the the film's out on jaw on how to slow him down and pop is gonna know what to do. Um, he's gonna make the adjustments no matter what adjustments we make to start the game. Um, so that scares me. But this feels like one of those games where somebody like Derek White is just gonna freaking go off on us. Well, Derek um, White's
1: injured, so that we're we're on a good track there.
2: All right, that's good. Um, then you got <laughs> keep if 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 you got Brooks on on um Rosen. You just gotta keep Dejounte Murray in check, and then I think we we'll, we'll be okay. Um, I, nobody else really scares me on that team. You know, before
1: I get into somebody who scares me on that team, are y'all ready for the overreactions? If let's say they do lose this game, and people are like, "Oh, Jenkins got out," coached. Well, yeah, it's freaking Coach Popovich, He's probably <laughs> the greatest coach of our generation. <laughs> so, are y'all yeah. ready for
0: those overreactions? <laughs> Oh yeah. I think i of worst worst case scenario. Rudy Gay hits a game winner in FedEx Forum. Oh my
2: god. <laughs> that would
0: be worst fade case a, scenario overreaction.
2: Fade away baseline. Fade away oh, baseline, yeah. mid-range god. jumper right there.
1: I think that would just send every podcast, every talk radio, every blog. It's gonna be on fire. Like it, I can already see like a column out there right now. It's like Rudy, why didn't you do this for us? and God, Ben, that's like the worst timeline I can think of. Like that's worse than yeah. anything out there. God. Wow. But I, I have somebody, I, my, honestly going in, my biggest worry is pop just because he's a genius, best coach out there. And let's be honest, that roster, they shouldn't be in this spot. This spot should be going to a team like Sacramento or new Orleans, but they had the better coach. That's what it came to. And you know, DeRozan's been phenomenal per usual. But if you look aside DeRozan, they should have they should have been on the outside looking in on the even on the play-in. But there is one player that scares me, and it's somebody that absolutely just kills the Grizzlies every time they match up. And that's Patty freaking Mills. Oh yeah. <laughs> Especially since we just saw Jordan Poole light up D'Anthony Melton and Tyus Jones last game. Shoot. Patty Mills scares the hell out of me.
2: He doesn't miss. He he. When he plays the Grizzlies, yeah. he's automatic all the time.
0: I just he's looked at like a decade. What was that Ben? He's been doing it for like a decade.
2: I know.
1: I just looked at the uh, career splits, and Patty Mills shoots forty five percent from three when he plays Memphis. I think only like he has shoots a higher percentage against like two or three other teams. That's ridiculous.
0: I didn't know. I I knew it was a lot, but I didn't know it was that. Oh,
1: I didn't either. But you know, with with Zoom and podcasting on a computer, you just have these luxuries where it's like, okay, I got to find this. And with Patty Mills, you just got to figure he averages single digit points. It's like 9.5 points a game. But with the way he hits threes and just doesn't miss, it seems like 15 or 20.
2: It does. That shocks me that he only averages nine because I swear he's got 20 every time he plays this.
0: It's momentum killers. The yeah, shots he knocks down are momentum killers every time. So what
1: it comes down to is, it's like what Ben and I have said, it's going to come down to the bench. If the Grizzlies let Patty Mills or Rudy Gay get hot while our guys are just cold, like I don't think it'll be as bad as Golden State. Because Golden State at home, they're one of those teams where they get going at home, it's an avalanche. And that, that bench unit was just on the wrong side of the avalanche. But... Uh, another question I'll have here for Justin is in this game, what do you have as the biggest storyline? <clears throat> um, like, what are you watching for the
2: most is what I'm going to say. Uh, I'll be watching for, um, the, really the, the three point shooting. I think, uh, that's that outside of the bench, that's going to be the next biggest factor to determine the game. Is is how well do the Grizzlies shoot and how well do they defend it? Um, because the Spurs have some guys that can knock it down, um, and if they get hot and you start trading threes for twos, you're in you're in trouble. Um, and if you if you got guys that aren't feeling it, aren't knocking it down, um, it's gonna be hard for you to come back. When if Patty Mills is rolling, if Rudy's knocking down corner threes, if uh, Murray gets gets hot. Um, I think Naismith's been, uh, not Naismith. Uh, what's the kid Vassal. out of Florida State? Yeah, Vassal. If he gets going, like they got some guys that can knock him down. Um, so if the, I think the perimeter is going to be something to watch, is no matter what units on the floor, um, that game's probably going to be won there. Mm-hmm. And so before
1: I get to Ben over here, can I just bring up what honestly might even be a worse timeline than Rudy Gay hitting a buzzer beater? And that's Gorgie Dang going off for like eighteen and seven with four threes and sending the Grizzlies home. That would hurt, but deep down, I'd love it because I love Gorgie. That, that was your brand. That you're yeah. you're dying on the on the Gorgie Hill. Yeah. Like I, I'm surprised that Gorgie didn't sur- surpass your love for JV. But um, Ben, what do you have as the biggest storyline? Like, what are you watching for the most in this game?
0: Uh, the Grizzlies protecting the lead. We've seen it time and time again. They got out early on Golden State uh, Sunday, and but we've seen them in the fourth quarter against teams that are not necessarily the world beaters. In fact, they may be at the bottom of the uh, conferences, and they've just let leads slip away. And I don't know if it's playing without, like, if their confidence just goes or if they just – or what it is or if it's rotations or, you know, I, I just – to avoid all of those overreactions, just have the Grizzlies protect the lead. Yeah. I, I, it's a young team. It's their first like technical, you know, out of the bubble playoff game, and it'll be interesting to see how they respond, especially if they have a, a lead deep into the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, if it's a two-possession game, what are they going to do? Are they going to tighten up? Are they going to? Are they just going to keep playing loose?
1: Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Yeah, I mean, my, one of Obviously, the big storyline, I think, for everyone is just how this team looks in its first real taste of the playoffs. You can say the playing game, and I'm, I'm sure that, that that is some scars, man. I tell you what, for like the past like three weeks or so, they've brought up that playing game, talk about how much that hurt and how much they want to redeem themselves for that. So, obviously, seeing how John Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr., and just the other role players just rise to the challenge in that sense and just how they respond in their first playoff atmosphere as far as like a home crowd, that that's going to be very interesting to see. But I would say my biggest – the biggest thing I'm watching for, and I guess the biggest storyline, is Jonas Valanciunas because I, I said it the other night that – You know, I think the MVP discussions for Jokic and Embiid have driven that narrative, like, oh, the center position isn't dead. But I think Jonas Valanciunas is also showing that that's the same case for guys that are in like the upper middle class of centers in the league. Like, the center position is not dead. The old school way of playing the five, he's showing that if you're elite at what you do, and for him, that's second chance points and rebounding you're going to be fine no matter what era of basketball you're going to be playing in. And Jonas is showing that he's, he's had a lot more better uh, defensive possessions where he's chasing guys around out on the perimeter. There's one play. I would think it was against Sacramento where he got DeLon right on a switch. DeLon tried to take him baseline. He went to the corner and tried to take him back to the goal again. And Jonas stuck with him and he couldn't get a shot off and force a shot clock violation in crunch time. And like that, that's encouraging signs from Jonas Valanciunas. And even though Draymond had his comments on this is what they've been doing to centers this whole time. Jonas had 29 and 16 and he only missed three shots. Like
2: I added him on Twitter. I know you saw that. I I think I saw
1: that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, No, he, he didn't shut. Like he had Steph Curry and, Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole go off. They they didn't have an answer for the three-point shots. Steph hit more threes than the Grizzlies team could bind. That's why they won the game. But just seeing how he performs in playoff situations, I know a lot of people are like, okay, he might be doing this in the in the regular season, but he what is he going to do in the playoffs? Is he going to get played out? And I think that's going to be the biggest storyline because he's the old school center, and people are trying to just phase those guys out. And Jonas isn't going to let the center position die. I think he's he's having the best season of his career, and I want to say it's like year nine. Still has a lot of basketball left, and he's he's just been so fun to watch. And you know, I've been I've been beating the drum on Balanchunas since he arrived in Memphis, and uh, but Justin he surpassed me to end up becoming the president. I was focused on becoming the president of another certain island. But he he's That's held it. He's held down the JB Hive Memphis chapter for sure, leading the charge there. But I'm just ready to see Jonas Valanciunas just continue to prove the narrative wrong and that the center position is alive and well. Justin, wasn't that beautiful? It was. It was it was poetic. Yeah. I don't it, think
0: Justin's gonna try and overtake you on that other island. Nah, I got- not at all.
1: <laughs> nah. No, I have him as public enemy number one on that island. but Right. It is.
2: No,
0: it's
1: true. But you know what? To each his own. We, we've been having a good time. Why would – Ben, why would we ruin such a great podcast? Ben wants chaos, man. I
0: mean, he's the <laughs> silent
1: agent of chaos. He just oh, – oh.
2: look, this is what Ben does. He, he'll text me on the side and when the slack's going on. And just while the slack is burning to the ground, Ben's just loving it, laughing. He just wants to see the world burn.
0: Cause I can't jump in there and be in there for like a long period of time, so I just catch up. Like at the very end, I'm like, "What is going on?"
1: <laughs> I know it. It's been a lot. Get and just get ready. It's about to get crazier with the with draft season and the Winslow team option coming up. It's oh, gonna boy. get wild. <laughs> but nah, that so we're we're about running out of time here. But like every, we have to do for every big game, you got to make predictions. So. Quick 30-second predictions from each of us. Justin, you go first.
2: Well, apparently we're really wrong at GBB for uh, predicting that they win every time we make a prediction. Uh, (laughs) But this is one of the cases where I think it's safe to make that prediction. Um, I don't know what the line is on it yet or if it's been released, but I'd I'd have to say uh, the Grizzlies probably win this one by about six or seven points. All right. Ben, what about yourself?
0: I think the line's three-and-a-half. I think the Grizzlies cover, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Grizzlies to win. I think they win by eight, nine, ten. I think I think they pull away late at the end. Uh, I think they uh, actually make their free throws. Why are you How always going to one-up me?
2: I say six, seven, you say eight, nine, ten. Like you just, you just can't agree, agree with, with you me? <laughs> me? Hey.
0: I can't agree with you on
1: that. You you know, you know what they say. Good teams win, great teams cover. I love the mindset there, Ben.
0: Yeah. I saw, you, know,
1: you retweeted something today where the Grizzlies are like the third best team in the league and gets the spread. Yep. Yeah. Nice. I was That's
0: surprised cool. by that. But
1: I am too. Yeah. Is that, I, I, I'm not a gambling man, but I just kind of know that you don't bet on your teams. But
0: I haven't bet a lot on the Knicks because they were the number one team on
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I, I'll I'll make my uh, quick prediction here before we close out. Uh, I, I think the Grizzlies win a close one. Uh, I think John Morant has a statement game, and in like in a half-hearted prediction that's to come on GBB. I think Ja and Derozan have their Steph and Iguodala moment, if you if you know what I mean. Okay. All right. Ben, Ben, you don't. I don't think you're you're catching on what I'm saying. No. Okay. So at the end of the Golden State-Denver playoff series in 2014 okay. in the first round. Uh, Steph and Andre Iguodala met at, like, half court. Like, obviously, like, oh, great series, whatever. And and then next thing you know, Iguodala goes to Golden State in the offseason. I got you. I so got you, yeah. That, that, that's okay. my prediction.
0: I just, okay, I got you. I got you. I'm a little yeah. slow sometimes. <laughs> uh, it's all
1: good. It's all good. We still like you over here. but I appreciate you. Mm-hmm. That's about all the time we had. Uh, that was that was a fun little crossover episode for sure um Justin ben any final remarks anything that y'all typically do to close out the show
2: uh no ben just hits uh the betting odds for the weeks about how we close it out but uh he gave us what the grid spread was so mm-hmm.
0: yeah the man, that's it i appreciate you uh bringing us on parker i enjoyed it
1: well, it was more of a, more of like the crossover. I mean, y'all, y'all already yeah. had a show to do. I already had a show to do. It's like, why don't we just do it together? But no, nah, I appreciate y'all uh, taking this time. Y'all sacrificed the hosting gig and kind of just were more like, we're just all like just chatting, stuff like that. So I appreciate y'all coming on, agreeing to do this. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Find Justin on Twitter at J underscore Timber Fake underscore. Find Ben on Twitter at NotTheGolfer, the the only verified member of this podcast right now. And you can find the blog on Twitter at sp and Grizzlies. Read all of our work leading up to the play-in at grizzlybearblues.com. Follow us on Twitter at sp and Grizzlies. And make sure you are liking, subscribing, downloading, writing reviews, whatever you got to do for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, megaphone iheart radio spotify wherever you get your podcast follow our podcast on twitter at the core four podcast with the number four not the word four and three and d pod with the number three not the word three with that that's all folks